Ho, 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 beloved listeners. Felike Wainakten, Feliz Navidad, and glad tidings to you all, and welcome to the Uber Sinkor Winter Wonderland. Put on your ugly sweaters, stir your hot chocolate with a candy cane as you join us for the first of our Christmas episodes where we will be listing the top five personal Christmas traditions. I'll be wanting to know what events, activities, or indulgences make the festive time of year special to you. Impress me, your stocking will be overstuffed. End up on my naughty list and a lump of coal it is. Now, Santa came early to my house this year as I was passing my by my tree this morning. I uh, noticed two impeccably wrapped presents labeled to Nathan, love Santa. And what did I find inside? Exactly what I asked for in my letter. Two contestants for today. Coming at you from Santa's workshop in Berwyn, Illinois, it's Brian Ernst. Merry Christmas, Brian. Merry Christmas. You've been such a good little boy this year. I am so glad that you got yourself everything that you've wanted. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and from the hustle and bustle of the Southport Quarter Shopping District, it's Mitch Brakeman. Merry Christmas, Mitch. Merry Christmas. And don't forget, uh, American Express is offering 10% off at local small <laughs> businesses. American Express, shop local. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If this is your first time in the Uber Cinco Den, or if you're just getting back home to us for the holidays, let's wake you out of your long winter's nap with a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But... If both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber, Uber Stairdown. You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber Stairdown is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. And as host, I'm entitled to institute a house rule. Today's Yuletide house rule is... Any contestant who utters a bah humbug or modern cynical equivalent will go straight onto my naughty list and be deducted one point. And don't forget to stick around to the end where I, Nathan Henenfent, will rattle off my Fast Five, the definitive list of the top five most depressing and thankfully unmade Christmas sequels. <laughs> and don't forget if you have a topic or fast five you'd like us to cover head over to at bizbear.biz to mail your letter to santa if you've been good this year we may even list out your topic on the show okay mitch you stayed atop blitzen for the longest in the pre-show reindeer rodeo so you can go first what's your number five thank you very much um i just, I just want to say a quick question how many home alones have they made because i looked looked it up recently five and I, there's five. Oh, oh my God. Okay. I'll, I'll actually be covering that in my fast five. <laughs> <Okay>. so, <yeah. laughs> I think there's, there's been five home alones and I think like four different Kevins now at this point or something, but uh, it's also upsetting how many John Hughes was involved with after two. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> yeah. Let's anyway. hope all he did was drive his truck up to the production facility, open the back hatch, and have a bunch of money dumped in and then drove away. So I know for a fact because we turned it on with Alex D. Lynn's Home Alone 3 is written and produced by John Hughes. Okay, well, that brings, us, brings me right into my number five, which would help with those kind of feelings. And that is my number five personal Christmas tradition is I like to get just absolutely blotto by myself while watching Scrooge starring Bill Murray. Um, <laughs> and because Bill Murray's performance in this film, like many of his other films, vaguely reminds me of a really fun kind of drunk guy. And I think this is the magic of Murray. Uh, is that energy that he brings that's off kilter. He's not like a great actor, but he just seems like maybe he's a little drunk. And so I think this is very <laughs> fitting. Um, and of course, this is a twist on the classic uh, Christmas Carol. Murray plays Frank Cross, a TV exec who's got to produce a live version of the Christmas Carol on his IBC soundstage for Christmas Eve. And guys, guess what? Mary Lou Retton is, uh, is Tiny Tim. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Because you know why? Kids love gymnasts. That's what they say in the films. One of my favorite things. Tend uh, <laughs> uh, to, to that, Bill Murray says to the other TV execs, well, now I have to kill all of you. Um, but uh, throughout this whole movie, also, uh, Frank Cross drinks vodka. He's a big fan of vodka. So – my uh, what I'm calling my 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 drink of the movie. Well, first you you start off with a with a, uh, a vodka martini, dirty extra olives. Hopefully you finish uh, before one of the early scenes where his old dead boss shows up, uh, uh, Lou Hayward. And for that, you pour yourself. I'm calling a Chernobyl, and a Chernobyl is either uh, 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 an eggnog or white Russian with a shit ton more Russian vodka. So much so that when you're done, you feel poisoned. Um, and that will <laughs> set, you, set you going great uh, for the rest of Scrooged. Um, and uh, the, the, the ending of this film, of course, you know, much like the Christmas Carol, he, he sees the error of his ways. But I like watching this uh, late at night. Um, I hopefully don't start it before midnight. Um, it's a little naughty. It's from the 80s. It's surreal. There's just a bunch of weird choices that go on, which I think matches up perfectly uh, with with this just getting blotto. And the more different drinks you can have too during this, the better it will be during it, and the worse it will be the next day. But it's all worth it um, because for some reason, Scrooge isn't a a widely it's a widely known Christmas film. But I don't know that many people that actually like it and will watch it with me. Like when I put it on at my parents' house, no one really sits around and watches it with me. So, um, is this, is this a Christmas Eve strictly thing or, or do you do this anytime in the lead up? No, no, no. Th- this is before Christmas Eve. It's gotta be either like the 21st or the 22nd, hopefully like, cause, cause it, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be hung over for Christmas Eve. Um, not going to do that. So you're uh, missing out. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so if, if you haven't seen it, uh, just gather up your f- six different f- uh, favorite bottles of liquor and watch Scrooge. It's a it, it's a good ride. So can I let you in on a tiny, tiny little secret? Sure. What's that? I've never seen Scrooge. Oh, oh hey. no. Hey, this is the <laughs> time of year. This is the year to do I, I it. Yeah. I guess I look forward to being outrageously drunk within the coming weeks. <laughs> this is <Yeah. laughs> Okay. Yeah, you'll you'll recognize a bunch of uh, great character actors uh, from throughout the film. So definitely, definitely a fun watch. But I saw it way too early, and it scared the living hell out of me because I think is it is it, Fu- is it future who's really scary? Uh, yes, it's because there's uh, a scene where he's like he sees himself, and there's like one thing where he's like in a coffin going into like a furnace to like be cremated, and like I saw that. And like whatever the ghost, like the, he kind of looks like a Dementor almost from Harry Potter. And it's just very yeah. creepy to see that uh, below 10 years old. Oh, yeah. my, parents, my parents love Scrooge. So they watch it every year. So it was like, all right, Bill Murray's on all the time, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then six, seven, eight year old me is just like, this is the scariest Christmas movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, a drunk I, guy and everything is scary. I think yeah. that's the reason I've never seen it is because... I, I do a lot of the same traditions every year, which is what we're talking about. But when I, they, a lot of them started when I was a kid and my mother didn't deem this movie Christmassy enough. So it never made it into the rotation at our house. Yeah. And that, that is, uh, that's very fair. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I do want to add it to the list now. You have convinced me. So, yeah. I mean, I'm a grown ass man now. I'm 34. So, so take that mom. I'm going to watch Scrooged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Henenfent, you boys gonna, gonna step up his movie game this <laughs> All right. Uh well, this is a good start. Uh Brian, what do you have uh your repost, your number five? So my number five is man, you gotta customize that tree. So uh growing up, we had a star atop our tree for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And then one year it just disappeared. It like either stopped working or it didn't end up there anymore. My dad got fed up or he just decided to change and he just put a Santa hat atop the tree. And it's become like the tradition ever since. Just putting the Santa hat, an extra one right up there, makes the tree look great. Looks happy, more festive, (laughs) no religious connotations. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then also you need to have, uh, now I'm starting to get to this point. We used to have a neighbor who had so many ornaments 
that every year he would have to, he would host a bracket and do an ornament draft to see what would get on the tree. <laughs> because obviously all of your good ornaments do not fit on the tree once you start collecting them over the years. Mm-hmm. So that is not my tradition, but I know I'm going to soon have to adopt it because I am collecting so many ornaments that I'm starting to get to this point where I need to have an ornament draft every year. Um, this is where you're collecting uh, the movie prop ones that your your parents get you. My parents have gotten me uh, a DeLorean ornament. I've gotten a Jack Sparrow holding the wheel of the ship ornament. I got a lot of movie themed ones. Um, and then every year, my mom gets me a Hallmark ornament. I believe we talked in the in the Loving Good episode about the Christmas vacation ornaments. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones that are loud. They talk. They're interactive. And they change every year. Um Mitch has mentioned his love of, of Eddie's RV. Uh, we have uh, Clark Griswold who is putting the lights together and is really upset and all that stuff. So those keep getting collected every year. And then I always try and go to the Hallmark store right after Christmas. because They're all 50% off <laughs> and you try and collect as many <laughs> as you can for the next year <laughs> to get the one ornament. That's like, ah, oh. I think last year I bought a Peter Vankman from Ghostbusters and I'm like, I wasn't going to pay full price for this. Cause I'm like, I don't want to buy all the Ghostbusters. I just want the Bill Murray Ghostbuster. So there's a Bill Murray theme for this number five. Um, So that's what I mean. Just trying to customize your tree as much as you can. Make it your own. Uh, Keep the ornaments from from your childhood as much as you can. I got a couple of them that were like you made in kindergarten, whatever, that have gone from your parents will eventually migrate over to you. So you can have on your tree. Uh You should have a little bit of that that, uh, familiarity, that tradition there. But then be open to making new traditions, Santa hat on the tree, customizing your ornaments and having an ornament draft. That's my, I, my mother did something uh, cool while she was busy keeping me away from the movie Scrooged. She uh, came up with a <laughs> tradition you might find useful. Well, my, her mother, my grandmother Lillian, when we would go to her house, when we were kids for uh, Christmas, she had some really old fashioned ornaments on a, she had a miniature tree. She was, quite elderly and so she didn't want to take care of the whole big one so she had one it was about half size that sat on a table and so there were she had you know a collection that just fit exactly on that tree and so when she passed away we wanted to save some of those but we obviously we didn't have room on our tree because just like you'd said the it starts exponentially growing your ornament collection so my mother made a wreath and then attached the ornaments to that wreath and it hangs in the kitchen so that's uh, that's one way to sort of it, Give give some of those ornaments that you want to hang on to, but there's no room there. There is a, a way to, to keep them in the rotation, as it were. Mm. That is a, I bought my first real wreath this year. Uh, we went to a Christmas tree farm for our tree, but we ended up pictures. I'm like, I've never had a real wreath. And it was like a couple of beautiful ones that are really decorated. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to splurge and get a wreath this year. So maybe I can uh, add a couple of ornaments to it uh, around the door to yeah. liven up the festive spirit. Well, uh, Brian, you mentioned your parents' tree has a Santa hat. What is your topper for your tree? I I, I continue with the Santa hat. Oh, you still do Santa hat? Okay. But I have to to make a a compromise. I think we're going to have to go every other year between angel and Santa hat because Jenny's tradition growing up was an angel and mine was the Santa hat. So I'm like, we'll rotate. There's, There's, of course, an easy solution here. Two trees. (laughs) I thought about it. I thought about it. We already do have uh, my grandmother collected mini artificial trees and there are four of them in the house there you go so so she used to have a big artificial tree and i think she just divvied them up because they have become now their own individual things and one is only decorated with m&m's ornaments i don't know why or where it came from (laughs) but there is one mini tree that only has m&m's on it (laughs) don't don't m&m's have like a points uh reward system like cigarettes where if you eat enough you can like send them in and get m&m's i'll have to ask her it might have been before she quit smoking we'll have to see (laughs) how old these m&m's are (laughs) if if we remember back to a, a previous episode where brian uh shared his ultimate fantasy in life when he has his oh, three yeah. bedroom house with a semi-finished basement i think you know you can you can have a basement you can have a basement like man's man tree down in your man cave in the semi-finished basement and oh, i know yeah. i know you well enough i know that you are a guy who's going to have multiple full-size trees eventually it's just a matter of time yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, Brian, tree. multiple full tree urns there i am Merry Christmas. Footballs and beer and Black & Decker tools on this one. And, uh, <laughs> Black & Decker. 
I've got little screens showing movie trailers on here too. It's great. It's just rough guys. So you guys, you know me too well. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that's a 2021 thing. If I have to wait next year, it'll be worth it. Uh, all right. That's going to wrap up our round five. And um, I'm loving this so far and I'm in a Christmas giving spirit. So it's three points all around to get it started. So, hey. uh, but Mitch, you're up again. Let's hear your number four. Sure. Yeah. My number four is um, something I like to do whenever I'm home in Minnesota for the holidays. Um, and that is, again, probably at the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. I like to go at like midnight or even later. I take a midnight drive. And most likely it's Minnesota. There's going to be some snow. Take a midnight drive down a famous Summit Avenue, which is sort of like a main thoroughfare with a, a really nice green space in, in the middle of it in downtown or in St. Paul. And just imagine like a street filled with homes all built in like 1880, all brick mansions, um, you know, big, beautiful things, uh, a classic Norman Rockwell uh, street, if you will. And you drive east uh, towards downtown St. Paul. And at the very end of Summit Avenue sits the, the James J. Hill House, uh, which he's famous for building the railroads from like the Midwest out to the West Coast. Um, and then on the opposite side of the street is the St. Paul Cathedral. Uh, our biggest, most grandiose uh, uh, place of worship in St. Paul, Minnesota. And uh, right there, there's a parking lot you can sit in. And right where the church is, it starts to slope down to downtown St. Paul. So it's at, at the top of a hill. And so you can look out over downtown St. Paul, the the um, the river valley. You can see the lights of the city. Uh, again, hopefully it's snowing. Um Beautiful houses all around you, trees, everything. And I like to uh, drive there. I like to have my Christmas music going. And I just like to sit and I like to reflect about the year that's happened, how I've gotten to that point, and and the year to come. And um, it's always really nice and still and it's quiet. And, um, you know, of course, you're, you're, you're warm in the car, so you're cozy. Uh, but, you know, just taking in the, the history and the tradition of my city and thinking about my own histories, my own traditions. Um, and then um, eventually after, you know, maybe maybe I brought a little eggnog. I don't know. Maybe I'll have that. But um, then, I'll, th- then I'll slowly drive back home and uh, I'll slip into bed and, and, uh, and dream, dream of, uh, of gumdrops and, uh, and Christmas wreaths and uh, gingerbread cookies. So, <laughs> when, when was the, how old were you when you started this tradition? Oh, 16. Absolutely. As soon as I could drive, I was like, you know, just let, let, let me go out in the winter. Also, it started, to be fair, it started because when it snows in Minnesota and you're 16 and you figure out what the e-brake does on your car when you're at like going 20, 25 miles an hour and you, you know, pull the wheel and pull up the e-brake, I would do donuts in the parking lot of the cathedral. <laughs> so, that's kind of how it started. And I was like, oh, this is a really nice view. And then, you know, as I aged, uh, you know, then I would just drive over there and sit and, and, and look out over downtown St. Paul and the River Valley and everything. Uh, but it did start in a, in a bit more of a bad boy way. So um, I did, did love my donuts uh, uh, in both respects as a high schooler. So. I just pulled something up quick here too. It's just there's like repeated missing persons on midnight around the same time every year. Another <laughs> Mitch murdered people story that being uh, loose here on our show. Their uh, hitchhikers used to be brave enough uh, to to look for rides on Summit Avenue. No longer for whatever reason. I'm not sure why that stopped uh, a couple years back. But um, all I heard is under the influence, quiet and still, and. <laughs> Keeping it warm. That's all I heard out of that story, and it made me very concerned. Uh, well, and you know, also, it's uh, you know, in Minnesota, the out of doors is it's already like a freezer by itself, so you don't have to find a freezer for things you want to keep. Um, keep. So yeah, <laughs> but well, this this ended at a very different place that it started. <laughs> right. It's a very wholesome story to begin with. Yeah. All right. Brian, bring us bring us back to the coziness of uh, of the season, please, with your number four. <laughs> right after I ripped us out. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, number four, uh, the tradition of opening gifts youngest to oldest on Christmas Eve. Um, so we always did Christmas Eve was on my mother's side. Christmas Day would be my dad's side. That was way was always growing up. But Christmas Eve is where you saw the most people. That's where you had 
um, the most aunts and uncles, the most great grandmas and great aunts, and everybody was over here. It was the biggest event. Was Christmas? Great uncles. No great uncles. Oh no! Oh okay. No great uncles. They um they were gone before I was a, a part of this wee little world. So that was the most people there. And then from the ages of like zero to four and a half. That Christmas was always the biggest, like I got treated like a king because that's where <laughs> everybody would give you all the gifts when you were a kid. And it wasn't like it everybody, opens, everybody opens a gift one and then the next, all the way. All this. No, if you're youngest, you have to open all of your presents before somebody can go next. Wow. And that's the way it was. It wasn't a one and done all the way around. No, you got to open everything. And then by the time you were done, you didn't have to pay attention to anybody else opening their gifts because you just got to play. So that's, oh, that's, that is delightful. It is delightful. Wow. And it's like, that was great. So being treated like a king Must and nice. also this really funny too, because it's like, I think at that time, that's when my parents would give me their gifts, not the Santa gifts too. So my dad would have to load up the car with extra presents to bring over just to bring back home, which I find hilarious now as an adult, <laughs> <laughs> especially when he had to fight for like parallel parking on Berwyn streets on snowy nights and then load up <laughs> garbage bags of presents only to have them opened and returned. Uh, so that was very entertaining to me of uh, reflecting on as an adult. And then this all got to change when Allison came around, when my sister was born. Now I had to wait and this is when patience became a virtue. At age five, I had to learn. And I believe there are some home videos where you can like, even at five and six, like egging her on, just kind of like, come on. Yep. Yeah, you got another one. Here you go. Here you go. Open this one. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> but eventually, uh, finally learned the patience. And, and now it's just like, we don't even have that kind of Christmas anymore because everyone's grown and there yeah. aren't grandkids or cousins in my family. So it's like, all right, we're, we're all good right now. We were the grandkids and then nobody's had kids since. So it is one I, of the depressing uh, facts about Christmas is when, as the older you get, like there is that window where you're like, man, the pre you know that the, the number of presents is just slowly decreasing and you try to, you try to act like you don't care, but I mean, how you, you care for a few years. This is the year. This is, I think it was probably in my early, late teens, early 20s, when all of a sudden there was nothing wrapped anymore. It was just a stack of envelopes. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I don't even get to open a pair of socks anymore. It's now, up. Oh, here's a gift card to Chili's that you won't use for nine months. <laughs> Gosh. Hey, hey, Rick, Karen, wrap some presents. Allison, wrap some presents for Brian. He deserves to open a gift. They wrap presents. They wrap presents. It's extended oh. family where they're just like, I don't oh. want to shop anymore. I I'm old. I don't need to shop. I'm just going to write it. a check or give you a gift card or something. You buy what you want. You know what you want. That's what my grandma would always say. You know what you want. Here, buy what you want. <laughs> I, Thanks, I, grandma. I I can relate to a lot of this because my uh, extended family on my dad's side is pretty big. Uh, he's one of six, and we we do the when we do the gift exchange, we we open everything youngest to oldest. We do the same thing. But there was one year where I had to save Christmas. We were at a relative's <laughs> house, and and everybody like people from the neighborhood were coming over. the The local priest was coming over. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was a real, it was, it was a great day, but, but we were starting to, I was about 15, 16 and we were, <laughs> we, we weren't, we weren't opening presents and everybody was like, come on, can we just get to the presents? And so I figured out how to do this. And I, I went to, I was like, went to aunt Jan. I was like, Oh, aunt Jan, uh, aunt Nancy says it's time to, to open presents. And I went to my mom and I was like, Oh, aunt Judy said it's time to open presents. And they're like, Oh, okay. And so then they, everybody converged on the <laughs> living room at the same time, ready to open presents. Uh, but then, so in the middle of opening presents, like another neighbor came over, like, you know, the priest showed up and, and somehow everybody panicked and somehow there was a gift was produced for the, the parish priest. And then some like neighbor kid showed up and somehow everybody panicked and came up with a gift for the kid. And then as the gift exchange went on, it became clear that I had somehow been left out and I didn't get a gift that year. <laughs> so uh, that was a thanks I get for, for saving Christmas. Did they, I'm pretty did sure they, this is the follow-up series to the Ernest series, Nathan Saves Christmas. <laughs> I, I, would, I, I would rent that for my local blockbuster. 
I would say, did the did the neighbor kid enjoy his size twelve Air Jordans or? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he grew into them eventually. <laughs> yeah. and this I, is why I had to wait eighteen years before I finally I got a say, pair. Yeah, <laughs> this year finally, when I when I'm less than a year younger than Michael Jordan was when he played his last game for the Bulls, I finally get my uh, my Christmas Air Jordans. Wow. Yeah, my 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 dad's family, there was uh 33 I think cousins of us that had to open oh gifts. My God. And we, we we pulled names at Thanksgiving, so you got one name of a cousin you had to get a gift for. But my aunts were militant about youngest to oldest. I mean, it was it went down to months. It was like, "No, no, 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 no. no. Rayanne is 5 years 3 months but Brent he is 5 years 4 months so she needs to go first and like Brent would start and then he'd be like no 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 stop and literally it happens so many times where an aunt would stop a child put their hands on top of the wrapping paper and stop them from opening the gift and be like you have to wait another 2 minutes until your cousin who's 6 weeks younger than you open the gift and then every gift and you had to show it around Someone took a picture, and then one aunt or uncle would collect the wrapping paper and put it in the garbage bag before the next kid could open. Imagine doing that 32 times. I was one of the older cousins. So talk about fucking patience. I mean, my God. And my grandma also got us gifts, but she you know, had to shop for 30-some kids. So it was like if you were ages zero to six, you got – like a $1 bill and a Beanie Baby. If you were like 7 to 11, you got, uh, I don't know, like an action figure and a $5 bill. So we all got the same gifts, but we had to open them <laughs> one by one. And it's like, <laughs> what the? It was the most painful thing ever. And of course, one of the uncles is going to ball up some wrapping paper and hit hit an aunt or one of his sisters or sisters in law with a with a wrapping paper, and then someone's gonna say, "Hey, you jerk, you asshole!" And someone's gonna go, "Oh, we're religious, you can't say that." And then <laughs> someone throws a wrapping paper up in the ceiling fan that goes haywire. As all of these children are sitting there trying to be patient with a gift in their lap, waiting to open it, it is the worst. So um, I feel your pain. I get that. So I, I, I have one other instance where we had to learn patience. My, my sister and I, uh, again, my, my grandmother, Lillian, uh, bless her heart. She, uh, she was, she lived to be about 96, but she died when I was uh, a teenager. And so our Christmas would just be my sister, my parents, uh, my mom's brother and wife, and then my grandmother in her wheelchair, really old and we would we would go around so not that many people not that many presents but my grandmother was so worried about damaging the wrapping paper she's like oh <laughs> oh and every time she go it's so pretty i hate to ruin it and so she would <laughs> with her with her arthritic 96 year old hands would just be like slowly removing the tape and not creasing it and taking things out and then s- carefully setting the wrapping paper down we're just like oh come on and then, of course, she would she would go to all that care. And then as soon as we wheeled her into the dining room for, for dinner, my mom would crumple everything up and put it in a garbage bag. So. <laughs> uh, there was a video we found recently at Home Movies where my sister is probably three or four, which makes me eight or nine. And she's opening presents. She's super excited on Christmas morning. And she opens something on accident that's for my mom from my dad. Mm-hmm. And my dad, annoyed, being up early and not having enough sleep, just being like, what are, you, what are you doing? That's for mom. What's going on? You just hear me not looking up for my present. She can't read. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of Christmas frustration there. <laughs> she can't read. Oh, man. Well, uh, Christmas illiteracy, I think, is the uh, perfect end to that round. So I got to give out some scores here. Uh, mm-hmm. Mitch, beautiful uh, painting of, uh, like, I think you mentioned Norman Rockwell. I can totally see this. I can see you on the cover of the Saturday Evening Post here. Thank However, you. we did get into a, some dark uh, territory <laughs> where you may or may not have committed some light Christmas murder. So I have to dock you one point. So you get two points there. Brian, that was, I think we all, we all had stories off of that. We all related to that. So, and yeah. then I love the, I love the image of, of your dad going the extra mile, going back home, doing multiple present runs. So I'm, I'm going to give you three points again. And that leads us on to round our th- number threes. Mitch, you can uh, go ahead and give us a start. Sure. Yeah. Also just for a quick tip um, to people at home, um, 
a, a quality tool during those times when you know you got to take care of something quick. Sharpened candy canes, pretty pretty chewy, <laughs> and then you can eat it after. And it's a nice a nice treat to uh, to replenish the calories you just burned. Uh, Peppermint that job. Yep. Peppermint does blend well with the blood of your enemies. You're right. That's- <laughs> uh, I mean, come on, guys. Sweet and salty. That's everyone's favorite combination during the holidays. So, um, and Which actually, that brings me right into uh, a food uh, item here. And that is when I'm making Christmas cookies, I keep a little extra dough and make some really grotesque anatomy. All right, that is uh, that's a, a Christmas festive Uber stare down. So uh, we'll have Mitch finish his in just one sec. Brian, yours is also cookie related, I believe. Real so quick, I, just give us the headline. My number two is cookie exchanges. Okay, all so, right. Uh, yes. So we're in the realm of cookies. All right, Mitch, please continue with your number three. Sure. So the the traditional Brinkman family Christmas cookie. Looks like a gingerbread cookie, but there's very little ginger, and it's it's mainly molasses and sugar, so it's not it's not overly spicy. Um, it, it's it's nice and uh, and dull in in uh, in spice for our Minnesota palates. Um, but that is then iced, of course, with a with a nice uh, uh, powdered sugar icing. But what I love to do is you keep off a little extra dough when you're when you're you know cutting the cookies out, and you form little little beautiful sets of breasts and 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 wonderful wonderful penises and uh, <laughs> and you add them to the gingerbread men and or they become gingerbread uh, ladies or just gingerbread sexual sexual folks and uh and or, or you like build them build them little weapons little swords little knives whatever it is um little you know extra boots or or uh, maybe like a little pile of bones that they are standing in, something like that. Uh, but something macabre and or just kind of gross and sexual, it's going to uh, freak or, uh, or gross your mom out. And then you, you know, you'd be like, oh, no, I'll, I'll take care of the cookies. I'll put them in the oven. You just take them out. And so you build your, build your, your horrible, wonderful little creations, pop them in the oven, and then she pulls it out. And then you're upstairs or another, and then you hear your mom just go, oh, yes what's the matter mother and then she said why are there boobs on my cookies and then you're like oh whoops (laughs) and you're just just a precocious young child but then you then you get the icing you've got you know your greens your reds maybe your purples your whites and you get to like maybe put like a little bikini or uh or a speedo on these on these things or you decorate the penis too make it a beautiful Christmas penis on that gingerbread um, cookie. Um, you put a little like dripping blood off the gingerbread knife that they're, that they're holding. Um, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite Christmas traditions uh, that my brother and I uh, continue to this day, whenever we are home and making cookies. Um, it's just, it's just wonderful. And it adds a little naughty to the, to the season too. So to the nice. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, I, they, I like the like two two like silver like uh, the ornaments you would hang on the on the tree the the, the reflective balls could put, stick a couple of those on as the testicles to a giant gingerbread man maybe that's something you can add into the repertoire this year oh yeah yeah we have um some of the because there's sprinkles of course we have as well to decorate the cookies but there are some little silver balls that my mom has so those are great nipples they're great balls they're great like (laughs) (laughs) um it works it works all over the place like a little like a little prince albert on the uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, also you know like a classic sprinkle like a little jimmy some people call it whether they're uh, brown or green or red those also work to help like either outline or accentuate um maybe a long nipple or or a penis as well (laughs) (laughs) i like how to make to use what nathan is suggesting you'll have to make like an uncle buck sized gingerbread man (laughs) that's a fantastic challenge for this year's christmas yeah so that's my that's my number three. I just, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things. And then of course, always, uh, you know, after you let the cookies, uh, you know, cool or whatever. And my mom might be like preparing a plate for us to like have as we're watching a movie. She, you know, she normally is like, Mitchell, do you want to eat your 
your special cookie. Do you want that one? <laughs> I'm not going to have it. And I'll be like, yes, thank you very much. So, um, and, and the way that the, the, the cookies cook, normally the, the, the penis or the breasts are normally a little softer. So that's nice um, to <laughs> when you're dunking it. So. <laughs> you got to have a flaccid cookie. <laughs> Oh God, uh, Brian! You've got your work cut out for you in this Uber stare down. Have at it. I do. I do. I do. Number two, I believe. So cookie exchanges are usually like we make a lot of different cookies for Christmas. We make one of my favorites are called uh, pinwheels, which is basically like a, a pecan-based sugar cookie. But then you make a red and you green and then you swirl them so you can get the pinwheel effect. Um, I love kolachkis, apricot, raspberry, cheese. Um, what we just call Toll House, which is just make the chocolate chip cookies in a pan, a nine by 13 pan. So they're thick bars instead of uh, uh, actual flat cookies. But either way, by the time Christmas is coming, you know, you need enough for the party. Then you start making trays for all the places you're going. You have a tray for grandmas. You have a tray for other grandmas. And you have a tray for blah, 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 cookie exchange at work, whatever's happening. And then you're still left over with a bunch of cookies, which forces you to interact with your neighbors. So you're like, oh, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to bring this tray of cookies over to my neighbors. You bring it over there. And all of a sudden, now they're obligated to take part in the cookie exchange. And now this is your way of getting different kinds of cookies into your mix. <laughs> so now that you have started this tradition, all these other trays of cookies start arriving at your house. And now you're introduced to other people's traditions. <laughs> But the best part about this is you get to pick and choose over all these different trays of, from the cookie exchange. You get to get on your high horse and you get to secretly put in the back of your head how much better your cookies are than everybody else's cookies. And then you get to sit there with everybody and eat somebody else's cookie and be like, oh, God, these are dry. God, what do they do? Their family sucks. And then you go ahead and take your cookie. That cookie's so good. This is the one I look forward to every year. And then you're like, oh, then you actually find a cookie that they like. And you're like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. I might, I might work that into the rotation. But like, oh, presentation's horrible. I'm going to go back to my pinwheel and kolachki. And <laughs> so you get to have like how Mitch got to go on the on the realm of the, a little naughty. And this, this is just just fucking be judgmental and just go for it. We've been playing nice all December. Just like sit there and gorge yourself in the gluttony of other people's cookies. And then just don't even think about the shame. Just judge everyone for all their <laughs> stupid traditions. <laughs> and know that yours are the best. That's where, that's where I come from on the cookie exchange. Oh, what dear. A, what a wonderful uh, golden hearted tradition. Oh my gosh. Oh. Yes. Well, I, I believe I have to score this Uber Cinco and uh, mm -hmm. well, well, Mitch's would, would certainly put him on, on the naughty list. I, I it, it went so far that it came back around for me. And then, Brian, uh, this this uh, cynicism and, and hatred of your neighbors, I think, falls into the realm of the bah humbug rule that I set up. So you're going to get zero points and then minus one for your Scrooge like cookie behavior. Worth and Brian, it. a full three points for your fully erect gingerbread man. So <laughs> three points much. to you, minus one to Brian. And then uh, but Brian, that leaves us with your uh, number three as well. So take it away. Uh, my number three is another Christmas Eve tradition I looked forward to growing up, which was more gluttony and indulging in an Italian and seafood dinner. Um, this was the dinner I would look forward to more than Thanksgiving every year. This is where you would have um, Italian sausage smothered in sauce. You would make a full lasagna, a couple of trays of lasagna. Um and we're talking thick lasagna. We're talking like five inches minimum depth lasagna. And then you'd get like a four inch square one. So it's just a giant freaking lump of lasagna. That's the centerpiece of your plate that you decorate with the Italian sausage, the brujol. And then of course the seafood, we got Holy deep shit. fried shrimp every year. You would sit there in the kitchen. The most prep work you would do on Christmas Eve day is peel the shrimp. So you got to get peeled and breaded. And then this would be my grandma great, then my grandma Barb, and then now my mom. You're always looking for the seafood on sale right before Christmas. Buy as much as you can and freeze it because you're not going to be able to find it for that price again. And that's when you'd buy, uh, you'd see your freezer and it would tempt you all the weeks leading up to Christmas. You're like, oh my God, look at all this shrimp. Look at all these crab legs. Look at everything. Oh my God, it's going to be so good. And then it all comes around. 
But the fact is you have to make the shrimp right before dinner because shrimp cools off very fast. Yep. But they also fry very fast. And as you're frying them, you're snitching. You take them one little shrimp, mm-hmm, put another batch in. Oh, this. Nope, nope. I got to eat this one. And you keep going through that. Blah, 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 blah. So by the time you sit down at the table, you've eaten probably 15 decent sized prawns. And you're like, oh shit, now I have to stuff in that whole lasagna down my gullet. <laughs> so then you start mixing foods together to make sure you get all the flavors in one bite. So you'll take one giant heap of lasagna and stab a sausage and then whoop, get that all in there. It's like, if you swallow it all fast, you get to eat everything that's on the plate. And that's the most important. Why don't you just make a sausage lasagna? You could, but then you don't have the actual giant, like quartered sausages that are just been sitting in the sauce for hours. Yeah, oh, they've been absorbing that flavor. It's so those good. They're all sitting on the end of uh, Mitch's gingerbread man. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, there's probably probably a good ten pounds of ground beef that's inside the meat lasagna at this point too. God knows how many pounds of mozzarella and ricotta. So it's like you are just just cheese meat sauce, seafood, stuff you don't have. And then the older I got, the more I ate because I was looking more forward to this part than the presents as the years went on. And then it's just like, by the time presents run around, I'm done. I want to go home. I'm tired. I want to take a nap. (laughs) I have eaten the best food I've had all year. And that that's a Christmas tradition I've always looked for. Even when I was a kid, I was introduced to that food and I was never picky about seafood or any of that stuff. Um, once I hit a certain age. So it was like, that's kind of what I always look forward to, to every year. Well, I think it's great. I think it's great stepping outside the Turkey dinner, putting your own spin on things for your family. It's pretty cool. That's just it. And then Christmas day is the traditional dinner. You have your Turkey, you could have a ham, you could have all that, the stuffing, but like this was the, the Italian side. I, was there a rule like you had to clean your plate to open presents? No, but I followed that rule very intently. (laughs) I said it for myself and I never failed. (laughs) Oh, man. Have you ever been too sleepy to want to do presents? Like, have you ever fallen asleep and missed some of it because you ate too much? When I I got to the envelope age, definitely. There have been times where I'd eaten so much I didn't even want to open a fold of a piece of paper. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's, that a, that's like a lot of prawns, bro. That's so much prawns, bro. Man, uh, I I love this, and you're getting three points for that. That's uh, that sounds Thanks, sounds delicious. Uh, it's unique. I think it fits the bill for what we're what we're doing here. Uh, so that's going to take us up to round number two. Brian, you've already done yours. Mitch, we need your number two. Hit us. Yeah. One of my favorite personal Christmas traditions comes from the best. If not the best, then tied for the best Christmas movie of all time, and that is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. The star of that movie, of course, Chevy Chase, plays Clark Griswold, the patriarch of uh, you know this uh, silly tribe that we see on screen. And so one of my favorite personal traditions is I dress like as many versions of Clark Griswold from that film as I can during – in or around Christmas Eve and Christmas. So like right now, actually, I have on one of the, the Griswold outfits, flannel shirt, vest. This is when he's putting up lights. He's got a bear's hat on. This is kind of the same shape, though, real big, you know, real, you know, just like he's a dad out there trying to do his thing. So G- George's screw? Yes, it just says, uh, jo- yeah, George's, George's screw. Is it George's screw or is it George's screw? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a bachelor party hat. Uh I find them during my magic my my, my magic car rides. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but on Christmas Eve, I always love to do the the outfit that he has near the end of the film. It's like a big gray sweater, a blue uh, button down shirt, a holiday tie, dark slacks, and if my dad isn't wearing the Santa hat, I will wear the Santa hat. Um, and, and I never say like, I'm going to go dress like Clark Griswold. I just like to dress up for the Christmas Eve because that's when we open the presents. I like to dress up for those special moments. Um, and I don't tell anyone I'm doing this. You know, I just, I, this is just something I like. I, I enjoy emulating my favorite, uh, movie characters, uh, uh, in, 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 in dress and in, uh, in life sometimes. Um, and then also his classic outfit where he's, it's the, uh, the, 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 um, the robe. 
the slippers when he's imagining out the window. He's imagining the pool in the backyard, and then his uh, little niece surprises him. I mean, who doesn't love? I mean, that's that's not that uh, crazy to you know wear pajamas in a row. But Nathan, uh, you know, you know that game. I, I spend half my life that way. Yeah, but uh, I think Clark Griswold is um, a great a great figure. I think I would say much like Homer Simpson, but you know, a little more elevated because he cares a little harder. He'll, he'll do everything he absolutely can do to the best of his abilities, which isn't always that high, but uh, to make sure his family has a great time and they really love traditions and they uh, savor the moments uh, that, that really matter. So um, that is my number two and uh, yeah, uh, Sparky, he's the best. So that's it for me. This is another one of the movies that was I got around to later as it didn't quite fit the bill for what my my mother thought was a very innocent time of year for little (laughs) little Nathan uh, to keep him on on the nice list. But I did come around to this one and and I agree with you. It's 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 a classic. And Brian's family has a little bit of the Clark Griswold in them as well with the way they go out with the, the decorations and. And my favorite part about this story is that. Uh, watching this movie growing up, you guys know I'm not a sports guy. Mm-hmm. The the best, the biggest jersey I've ever wanted in my life is I wanted a Chicago Blackhawks jersey that was double zero Griswold. I wanted that more than any Stanley Cup champion, any anything. I wanted that jersey, and I will have it on the year I get two trees. I'm getting that Blackhawks <laughs> jersey. Old two trees, Ernst. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Well, all right, Mitch. You, uh, you're a man of style. You're a man of taste, and you bring that every year. I've seen this in action, so I gotta, I gotta once again give you three points. So it's all to play for as we head into our number one. Mitch, you're up again. What is your number one personal Christmas tradition? Okay, so my number one. Um, this this borrows a little bit, or the the elements are there from the from the Griswold outfit, if you will, and from the from the drinking of number five. And from the the quiet stillness of the one before, and that is <laughs> whenever it's late at night, either on Christmas Eve or Christmas, whether I'm at home or at uh, my grandma's house, perhaps out in the country, or if it's the 22nd, I like to go outside in just shorts, if, if I can have them on, shorts, uh, button-up shirt, tucked in. Sweater, warm socks, slippers, glass of whiskey, snowing. A couple inches of snow on the ground would be great. And I just stand outside in the dark quiet and I just breathe it in. I take it in and I stand there and I sip on my whiskey and I enjoy the snow falling. I enjoy the trees. I enjoy the lack of noise, especially when you're in the country. Nathan, you know what I'm talking about where you can hear only the wind there's something so ethereal and um, uh, cleansing about that. Uh, and if when, when you're hearing that outside, which is nothing, just. Perhaps, if you're lucky, a snowy owl in the distance. A snowy owl in the distance. And then you hear just like the muffled chatter and laughs of your insanely large family. If, if we're at my dad's side inside, you know, people enjoying themselves fogging up the windows but i love standing outside until my legs can't take it anymore until it's so cold it's like it resets my body basically uh the whiskey can't keep me warm anymore and i feel um i feel renewed and you know christmas is 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 near the end of the year my birthday is also new year's eve so it's like it's always this like cleansing renewal turning the page thing for me so that is one of my favorite things and also when you're just standing quiet outside sometimes especially my uh, parents neighborhood which is um uh, right near a college if you stand quiet and uh sometimes you can catch people you know who aren't looking around you know maybe maybe they're coming home drunk maybe they're having a fight in the street whatever sometimes you can catch some moments of humanity that are that are really interesting um and then also if your whiskey needs to be chilled you just drop it in the snow and it's cold again in 10 seconds. So that's one of my favorite traditions. I do it alone. I'll do it with other people, but I like to stand outside for a really long time. So well, there are no other people because you've gotten rid of them. 
I'd, I'd hate to be the one guy who who crosses too close. <laughs> this last, is my imperial moment. Leave me be. <laughs> All right. Well, that that was that was it was truly lovely. And Brian, uh, you must respond in kind. I shall. So this tradition uh, I have as number one is also the most recent tradition added to my arsenal. So this was a tradition that was introduced to me by my girlfriend, Jenny. Um, It is taken from the movie A Christmas Story, and it is called The Ralphie Gift. So now every year, the tradition is you have to hide one gift they really like somewhere in the room. And when you think that you're done opening, you get to surprise them with a Ralphie gift. So this could be an official Red Rider Carbine Action 200 shot range rifle air round. Fuck. <laughs> Almost had it. Almost had it, guys. Almost Want to go again? I'm going to try it again. Sometimes, sometimes it, 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 it takes two, two bites to, to, to finish the whole uh, gingerbread dong. So go for it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you could have an official Red Rider Carbine Action 200 shot range model air rifle, or it could be something that you just didn't think you really needed. And one of the best Ralphie gifts I got was a hidden envelope behind the desk. She told me to go grab it. And it was a, a gift card for a couple's massage that we went to go get eventually. And I had never had a professional massage before. And I have never been more relaxed than when I got that. So that was the ultimate gift uh, that Ralphie gave me that year. Um, plus, you think Christmas is over and you get that one last surprise to, to kind of wrap up the season and to get rid of the cynicism of the cookie exchange to get rid of ever the money you spent to get rid of all this and just to bring joy to one more person last minute. And then you get to have that same repost by getting that same thing right away. I I love this. I just have one follow-up question, which is how do you come up with new and inventive ways to keep it a surprise since you both know it's coming, but you have to, I mean, you have to somehow get the timing right. So it's still a surprise. The key is changing what the Ralphie gift is, not that it's coming. So it can't be something they're like, oh, a month before Christmas they've asked for. It needs to be something that they mentioned back in June that you tucked away and you're like, this is going to be the Ralphie gift. And that way, when it comes around, it's a surprise. Like, oh my God, you remember that? Yes, that's why it's the Ralphie gift this year. That is is sweet. It is romantic. It is festive. It is three points. Oh, and Mitch, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Got small bone to pick here. Are your peripherals that bad that you can't see a fucking wrapped gift in the corner? Like, (laughs) my God, open your eyes, pal. I've hit, I've hit them under couches. I've put them in the kitchen. Hit them in the upper shelf of a closet. They are not easily accessible, Ralphie gifts. Ah, okay, okay. So, so your statement earlier of hiding them within the same room doesn't hold true. So. Wow. It okay, can be this huh? I'm sorry. What killer? What? <laughs> <laughs> At least nobody dies in my stories. How'd you? How'd you know my my, my Saint Paul nickname? That's crazy. <laughs> the Saint Paul killer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Some journalist was up all night thinking of that one. Uh, That's the SP killer. <laughs> Mitch, I have a follow up question for you too, and that's. Do you know what my favorite part of your uh, description was of your number one? Uh, nice shirt tucked into shorts. That's right. You, you, know, you played to the host once again as one of me and Mitch and our good friend Steve Moore's personal traditions that started when we lived together uh, about 10 years ago was mm-hmm. basketball shorts, regular shirt night, mm-hmm. oftentimes with a glass of whiskey. Oh, yeah. I don't know how it started or why it stuck. It's the most pointless thing we do, but still to this day, <laughs> if it's the three of us together, it's basketball shorts, regular shirt tucked in. So yeah. and along with everything else you described, you're also you're also getting the three points. Santa is in a generous mood. So I've made my list. All that's left for me to do is check it twice. I'm gonna tally the scores. Mm-hmm. You two may uh just real quick debate your favorite Christmas movie. You have 30 seconds, go. I mean, Brian, come on. Number one Christmas movie during that you watch during the holiday season, that is always at the top of your list. Something now that, that would just sit right on the mantle, something you can watch 
every year. No matter what, you watch this movie, you're going to feel great. The spirit of Christmas is going to get inside you. And and and, and you're going to love it, of course, is, you know, like the number one movie that there is Vacation. So. I would agree. Christmas Vacation is the number one <laughs> Christmas movie. All right. We've come to a consensus. I have the scores in my hand. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. So receiving a lump of coal with 11 points is Brian. And Mitch, you're going to have that new shiny red Schwinn bicycle sitting in front of the fireplace with 14 Ooh. points. Yeah! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> thank you so much. I just want to thank... Um, I want to thank the elves and I want to thank the reindeer for uh, keeping themselves healthy. They ate their carrots throughout the year and they, they were able to, to bring this beautiful gift to me. So thank you, Rudolph. Appreciate it. This just in St. Paul police have collected a bunch of skulls and tools and a red Schwinn bicycle from the house of the SB killer. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think all that's left for me to do is rattle it off my fast five. And that is Woo! just to remind you, it's the top five depressing Unmade Christmas sequels. <laughs> yeah. Number five, Elf 2, The Elfening. <laughs> Buddy the Elf's success in finding a life away from the North Pole leads to an awakening among the actual elves who understand they are at best low-paid factory workers and more likely indentured servants. Pom Pom the Elf, Buddy's old friend who you may remember from the first movie, leads the elves to unionize. When Santa threatens to outsource the work to China, the elves walk and head to New York and get jobs in the financial sector. Santa is unable to meet the high demands, and one third of the world's children go without presents. Oh my God. <laughs> Number four. Awesome. Miracle on 35th Street. <laughs> following uh, Christmas from the events from the first film, young Susan Walker sees her work as far from over as just up the road from Macy's. Another department store has their own troubled Santa Claus. Well, it's essentially a rehash of the first film, miracles on 36th, 37th, 38th Street, and so on, grow increasingly depressing as Susan grows up and her reputation as a Santa saver grows among the Claus community. Unable to say no to the down-on-their-luck Chris Kringles, she attends law school and sets up her own firm defending any drunk, unstable, barely-employee, middle-aged fat man with a beard. By miracle on 58th Street, she dreads Christmas and leaves the courtroom on Christmas Eve to spend the night the way she spends every other night during the year, drinking straight whiskey in the tavern across from the courthouse, escaping the stress of her high-powered job through drugs and marital infidelity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Number three. It's a more wonderfuler life. <laughs> as the dust as the dust settles from the events of the beloved original film, George Bailey enjoys a prosperous year at the building and loan thanks to his beloved friends and neighbors bailing him out. Mr. Potter himself even repents, apologizing to George from his deathbed. But by the next Christmas, George finds the people of the town are all leaning on him for support more than ever. We all recall his impassioned speech when the stock market crashed. Uh, your, your money's not here. It's, it's in Fred's house and, and Bill's house and a hundred others. Well, now they know where all their money is. It's in George's house. George finds his finances slowly seeping away again as he privately bails Mr. Martini and Bert the cop out of some bad investments. And even worse, realizes he has to walk around town the rest of his life with everyone knowing he owes them a favor. <laughs> Number two, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York Revisited. The <laughs> The creators of the Home Alone franchise regretted carrying on without Macaulay Culkin and tried to retcon their way out of the films onward and rebooted the franchise with an adult Kevin McAllister returning to New York for Christmas nearly three decades later. This one actually got made, but was thought too dark to be released, and I was one of the lucky few who got my hands on a copy. Uh, so Kevin is horrified to learn that the kindly old man who helped give him directions when he was lost in the Plaza Hotel has developed an insatiable lust for power and has somehow conned his way into being elected president of the United States, where his unbashed corruption doesn't stop even after an impeachment. And when he finally loses the election, he spouts baseless claims of voter fraud in a desperate attempt to keep power in order to provide prosecution once he leaves office, leaving the very fabric of American democracy in peril. Wait, no, sorry. I was just watching the news. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Number one, A Christmas Carol, part two. The ult I can't even remember what I wrote for this. I hope it's good. <laughs> um, 
All right. The ultimate classic Christmas tale has been beloved since the 1800s, and Charles Dickens' tale of Scrooge's redemption has been adapted thousands of times in every medium. So you would think the studios would have known to leave well enough alone. But in the early 2000s, M. Night Shyamalan was the hottest young director in Hollywood, and executives thought his penchant for spooky storytelling and twist endings would be the perfect fit to extend the holiday tale. The end result was much more grim. It all starts off well enough with an elderly Scrooge providing means for Tiny Tim to receive health care to recover from his illness, growing into a strong, robust teen. Eventually, Scrooge provides Tim with an apprenticeship at a butcher shop in the East End. When Scrooge finally passes on, he leaves his vast wealth to the not-so-tiny Tim, who, at the funeral, comes into contact with many long-lost associates of Scrooge, powerful men with connections to his mysterious Mason-like organization. Tim gets involved with the nefarious characters, using his butcher shop as a front for their illicit drug and prostitution rings, and, well, I'll just cut to the chase. Tiny Tim grows up to be Jack the Ripper. (laughs) 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 And on that festive note, we come to the end of this week's Uber Cinco. Joining me on this lovely sleigh ride has been Grandma Barb's favorite 30-year-old. Brian Ernst. And the uh, St. Paul Killer. (laughs) Mitch Brinkman. And I've been Nathan Hennenfent, and as Jack the Ripper always says, God bless us, everyone. Joya Noel. You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.